And of course, that story goes on with Jesus doing the miracle of the feeding of the what? 5,000, 5,000 men, probably lots more people as well because women and children were there. But I would, I would challenge you for the month of August, read through the Gospels, one Gospel a week, okay? And see how many times you see Jesus retreating to that solitary place, withdrawing from ministry, withdrawing from the crowds, even though sometimes they were able to find him. But just to be still and to be silent. And that's hard to do in our world. Amen? Amen. <laughs> and so this week, we're going to continue engaging some holy habits, some spiritual disciplines of the Christian faith. And we're going to focus on silence, and we're going to do it in a little bit different way. Not only are we to be still before the Lord... But I also want us to think that sometimes when we are quiet, when we get to that solitary place, when we're silent, what happens when God is silent as well? Has that ever happened to anyone? Where you feel like God is not near? And so taking time to be still before God, even on those days when God appears to make no earthly sense, those are challenging times. Now, this past week, around 12.30 around here, everything got extremely quiet. <laughs> and you, you took a deep breath for a minute, but then you kind of missed it. <laughs> you kind of missed the, the energy. But there is something, right, about engaging in ministry just like Jesus, and he withdrew, and just taking that deep breath going up on a mountainside to Jesus' solitary place. And yet today I want to take us to a minor prophet in the Old Testament called Habakkuk. That's right, Habakkuk. You may not be familiar with this prophet, but the prophet Habakkuk's unedited conversation with God. The prophet is deeply troubled by the injustice and the evils that are taking place amongst his own people. In Judah, when and how will God act is his question. Why doesn't God do something to bring his people back on the right path? Well, God answers Habakkuk. And Habakkuk does not like, or maybe he doesn't fully understand, the answer that God gives. At first, God is silent. And this makes no sense to the prophet. What is Habakkuk to do? And so if you have your Bibles, how quickly can you turn to the prophet Habakkuk? If it helps, it's between Nahum and Zephaniah. Does that help? You might need to go to the index, right? But listen, Habakkuk is called a minor prophet, not because of what he has to teach us is lesser importance than anywhere else in God's scripture, but because a lot of the minor prophets are what? They just have shorter things to say. And yet, in the fall of 1999, in seminary, I was also a student intern at a church in Pittsburgh. And they asked me, as a student intern, to preach on the prophet Habakkuk. Now, if you want to know a quick way to remember how to spell Habakkuk, I got a nice little trick for you. It's an H and an A, a B and an A, a K and a K, and a U and a K. 
an H and an A, B and an A, a K and a K, and you and a K, Habakkuk. And so, being relatively new to seminary and uh, preaching, I just made a very basic title called The Faith of Habakkuk. Now, in 1999, the internet wasn't quite flowing like it is today. And so we phoned in what we were preaching on. And so I phoned into the church secretary. Her name was Binker. And Binker, if you're watching from the great city of Pittsburgh, good morning. But I said to Binker, I said, the title of my sermon is The Faith of Habakkuk. And she said, The Faith of a Backache? <laughs> I said, no, the faith of Habakkuk, an H and an A, a B and an A, a K and a K, a U and a K. <laughs> but seriously, I do want to introduce you to this prophet this morning. Because Habakkuk had a heartache. He had a heartache for justice. Things weren't right. And if there's a theme from the prophet Habakkuk this morning, it would be to teach us how to live with a faith and a deeper trust in God, even in those silent moments for ourselves and when we feel that God is not answering us. I am sure in one sense or another we can all identify with trouble, with pain, with something and wondering how God fits in or works his purposes with all this stuff that is going on in our lives. So, because many of you maybe haven't ever heard of the prophet Habakkuk, I think it's worthy that we're going to, in just a few minutes, I'm going to read just a few verses from each of the three chapters for you to get a better understanding of the story. And so let me just give you a little bit of background that I think will help greatly for you to understand the setting and the context in which Habakkuk was living. Habakkuk could have titled his own book, Leadership with No Easy Answers. Habakkuk, as we'll find out, starts out wrestling with God. And by the end of the story... Habakkuk has developed a deep intimacy and trust with God, even if he couldn't fully figure God out. This prophet struggled with why God allowed the people of Judah to get by with immoral and sinful habits day after day. He cried out to God and at first got no answer. God seemed far too tolerant for Habakkuk's taste. Finally, God gave him a vision about his plan to rectify the situation by bringing in the Babylonians to plunder and capture Judah in war. Ever heard of the Babylonians, church? Compared to Judah, they were much more wicked, much more dishonest. At this point, Habakkuk faced a whole new dilemma. Would God really use a nation even more wicked than Judah to correct Judah? This seemed preposterous to the prophet. So he presented God with an integrity check. Do you really know what you're doing here? Have you anybody ever kind of felt like that? God, do you really see what's going on? 
And when God answered his question, he learned to trust. And the third chapter and final chapter of the book of Habakkuk is a beautiful hymn, a beautiful psalm of faith. Absolutely beautiful with someone that has struggled and wrestled with the Lord. A mom tells about her seven-year-old daughter whose name is Jessica, and she said that she's a deep thinker when it comes to theological questions. And I wonder, any of you that volunteered at VBS this week, did you have any deep thinkers out there of kids that really wanted to wrestle with the Bible point? But she said, recently we discussed why bad things happen sometimes. Rereading the story of Adam and Eve and how sin came into the world. Now, last week on our holy habit of what? Fasting. If you remember, Pastor Curtis took us back to the Genesis story and the original sin. Well, one day, Jessica was sick and had to stay home from school. Feeling miserable, she told her mom, if only Adam and Eve hadn't eaten the fruit, I wouldn't be sick. But before I could answer as a mom, Jessica added, of course, if they didn't eat it, we'd be sitting here naked. <laughs> Jessica tackled any theological obscurity about the doctrine of original sin with relative ease and simplicity. It was that easy. I wouldn't be sick, but we would be naked. But what about God's sovereignty and silence? When he simply calls us to be still and know that he is God. To listen for his still small voice when God appears to be making no earthly sense. And so we're going to walk through together the scripture. And I want us to think about these these points sooner or later you and when i say you i mean me as well sooner or later you will wrestle with god it's going to happen if it hasn't already in what ways are you waiting on the lord even today right now for that answer for that guidance for that direction we'll see that the prophet Habakkuk focuses in on the righteous will live by faith. A faith built in the righteousness of God and trust that God is in control at all times and in all ways. And hopefully, with the help of others at times, we can stand together and say, great is thy faithfulness, O God. And so I want you to listen or, or look along with me on the screen at Habakkuk's complaint. This is how the prophet begins in chapter 1. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. This is the problem 
as Habakkuk sees it. Doesn't that sound pretty clear that he's upset? This is what the Lord says. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the earth to seize dwellings, not their own. Really? Really? This is how God's going to take care of one problem and fix it with another problem? It's like your, your kids aren't getting along at home, right? And you find out that the bully next door is going to come up and fix everything. Habakkuk continues his second complaint. Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves. Habakkuk is saying, really, God? This is the plan? Friends, sooner or later, we are going to wrestle with God. Sooner or later, we're going to be waiting. And yes, it's good to get away in that silent place to be still and to know that I am God. But sometimes, if we're honest, we're also wrestling with God at the very same time. God appears not to answer, appears not to be near. Or he gives us an answer that we're not ready or prepared for. And so in chapter 2, we hear this from the prophet. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am going to give to this complaint. Can you see Habakkuk just standing there? I'm going to wait. I'm going to be silent, Lord. You better speak, and you better speak the way I want you to speak. <laughs> then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets, so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, what? Wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person, here it is, friends, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. God is taking Habakkuk on a journey. He's in the crisis of faith, and there's silent moments. There is waiting moments. There are Habakkuk scratching his head moments. There are shaking my fist at the Lord moments. And then we hear in verse 20 the Lord's answer. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Be still. 
Be still. In other words, be quiet. Listen. Trust. My ways are not your ways, says the Lord. The righteous shall live by their faithfulness. And as you reach chapter 3, we see a beautiful prayer from Habakkuk. And again, I'm only giving you an excerpt. I hope this makes you all run home and read Habakkuk this afternoon. It'll take you no more than 30 minutes. But then be still, be quiet, and say, Lord, what are you teaching me in my circumstances, in my reality of life? Habakkuk says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. In other words, Habakkuk is saying, I'm trusting you, Lord. I definitely don't fully understand, but I'm going to trust you. And he concludes his words to the Lord in verse 17 forward. Though the fig tree does not bud... And there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread. On the heights. Now I know that was probably seven minutes blitzing through Habakkuk, but I hope you saw some contrast. I hope you see an individual like you and me wrestling with God, wondering, God, you are not making any earthly sense. I'm being silent, I'm waiting before you. I may not like it, but I'm gonna wait. I don't think you're doing it the right way in the right time. And God responds saying, the righteous shall live by their faithfulness. A faithfulness that is not built on human understanding. A faithfulness that is molded and shaped as he is the potter and we are the clay. A faithfulness that is is from the days of old and the faithfulness that will last through all eternity. And so Habakkuk rests on that. And he is able to write what we know as chapter 3, a beautiful psalm of faith and hope and trust. Wow. Such an expression of confidence and trust in the midst of a pending national calamity. Be sure not to miss that. There is a pending national calamity about to to happen being brought on by the Babylonians. And Habakkuk says, even if I trust you. The bottom line today, friends, is God does not always work out his purposes in ways of goodness and prosperity. But in all the things, the good and the bad, God works for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. And as I think of the pain that some of you are going through even this very moment, my prayer is that the model and testimony of the prophet Habakkuk will encourage you to live by faith, 
and not by sight. That doesn't diminish the hurt. That doesn't diminish the anxiety. But that's why Jesus says, I give you my peace, a peace that surpasses all human understanding to guard your heart and your mind perfectly in my love. May we all be able to place our trust and faith in the Lord God of Israel who sent his one and only son, Jesus the Christ, to suffer and die on our behalf and who was raised to life on the third day to demonstrate God's victory and power over sin and death. Trials and struggles, yours and mine. Author Sheila Walsh writes in her book, Life is Tough, But God is Faithful about the topic of seeing God's love in the difficult times, in the silent times of life. A particular part of that book seemed to speak to the faith that's used that the prophet Habakkuk raised for us this morning. She says, Jesus' resurrection scars prepare us for the fact that there may be pain in our lives too. There may come a time when little makes sense and evil and chaos seem to be winning the day. There may be times when we feel hopelessness and confusion, when we do not even see a flicker of light. And the lesson of Jesus' scars is to hold on, to be patient, and to trust God. To hold on, to be patient, and to trust God, even when we cannot see any reason to do so. She concludes that portion of her book by saying, life is tough, but God is faithful. Say that with me. Life is tough, but God is faithful. We sing from time to time in this place, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Then what? Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto thee. Now, we can't always get there in a minute. But that's what I believe the prophet Habakkuk and his unedited conversation with God, the only one in the scriptures, by the way, that flows the way it does in Habakkuk. He begins wrestling and he ends with a deeper intimacy with God, even though God isn't seeming to make any earthly sense. Habakkuk says, I trust you. I love you. Great is your faithfulness.